0: Preamble, hello. Uh, no, let's do a proper introduction to you this time. Okay. Hello again. How you doing? Hello. Hey. Marcus is here. Uh, Johnny's Marcus. here. Hi, everyone. you met each other?
2: Yeah, we know. We What's know each other. Yeah. Johnny. Hello. Johnny B. How's Bring it going?
0: How are you? Host. Since yeah, the last
2: know. time we recorded?
0: Yeah, it's been a, a good month. Um, is that how long it's been? Yeah. That's what we're going to say. You're wearing the exact same clothing as well? Is it good it's that Podcast well? clothing. The podcast yeah, this is outfit. the podcast uniform. We're actually quite rigid with our uniform, mm. and uh, you obviously didn't get the memo. So no, I didn't. Next I'm time like you a could, could wear a shirt. You okay? Good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. You were telling me about some baby stuff.
2: Um, I've got baby two and the advice children, was? and you are, are imminently... No, got a imminently, baby on route? A baby en route. <clears throat> the advice, my, uh, there's a lot of advice to be had bad luck if you're all going I can think shot.
0: is that Marcus and probably 90% of listeners don't give a shit no so. um,
2: well I mean you, can, you, you were the one who said save it until we recording
0: yeah but as we know this is more for my benefit than anyone else's so I want to know give um, advice keep it down to two minutes though. there's a
2: lot of shit that people will tell you you need to buy and okay. that you won't ever use it uh, bath seat never use a bath seat fine um, what else specifically designed changing table <laughs> You know, like a chest of drawers with just got a specific changing mat station yeah. on top. So, what Never would we use instead? Floor? Just, yeah, floor. Fine. Wherever the child is. Knee, boot of the car.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay, anything else?
2: Um, g- give up on all this shit because you're not going have time to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: fine. I'm, do you know what? I'm actually already in the process of giving up yeah. <laughs> And that started. We have episode one. But we're into episode two now, so thanks for coming back. It's much Pleasure, no We've worries. We've got Marcus here with us. Hi, Marcus. Hello. Do you want to briefly introduce yourself to listeners? Who are you? Yeah,
3: my name's Marcus. Uh, I'm a heart paramedic, so I work part of the Hazardous Area Response Team. And uh, yeah, I do some video stuff as well. I run Conduit and... AV professional, audiovisual. Wow, program. yeah, wouldn't go that far, but uh, I, I own a camera. Wouldn't go system. that
2: far and wouldn't say it like that. Well, because it's not. not you know you're not want to put that on you because you sound like a dick dickhead A V professional
0: how are you going that
2: I don't think it, I don't think this is the sort of world where you're, if you're saying oh I'm an A V professional that would be if you worked in like a video store in the nineties <laughs> but these days you have to say well,
0: you're quite retro though, aren't you I can imagine you work no there. I retro. don't think so no, I think no, you'd no, be no. like I'll
2: run like, a media empire
0: I'm like new technology I love new new technology okay if so yeah.
3: you say A V this is a medical podcast people are going to think
0: atrioventricular fuck
2: not our listeners
3: <laughs> mate <laughs> don't, don't, don't come, come to me with
0: our listeners
2: problems. our listeners not going to make that link
0: so i'm a heart parametric and specialist in the conduction system yeah
2: well
0: are you what no fine sorry I so listening. media media mogul like no, is that implies contracts yeah. it? media empire
2: there's not enough room in this world for another australian media mogul either is there
0: oh i don't get it uh, are you referencing someone specific Rupert murder is he australian Let's, I, I reckon let's not insult Rupert Murdoch. Why? Well, oh, yeah. listening. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I imagine it's a little, little, little uh, bots online. Yeah, it's the sort of thing
2: where if you, like, uh, if you sort of say the words uh, in a phone call.
0: <laughs> let's not do that. You've just done it. I think if it's we mention... call, is it? If we air um, something bad about Rupert Murdoch, my COVID booster is going to blow my arm off. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, and, also,
2: and also I've said Rupert Murdoch and then in the next
0: sentence.
2: <laughs> yeah. Clip that together.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Love you, Rupert. Anyway, thanks for coming on. Tell us a bit about conduit. Conduit. Uh, so Con, conduit.
3: Conduit. 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 Do you know what it means? Can do it? Can, oh, don't even. That's our slogan, actually. That's Nike's slogan. <laughs>
0: That's
3: just, just do it. it. Just do it, fine. That's a very inspiring. Can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on. You can do it. It's a bit, yeah. Go on must. Anyway, conduit. Yeah, conduit's essentially my... Um, empire my empire yeah it's kind of gone through a bit of rebranding at the moment i don't really know what i'm doing with it but we yes. sell clothing we make videos and yeah that's it records record podcasts record
0: podcasts yeah nice, so you've, you've had a conduit have you uh,
2: now yeah today I've, yeah i heard about it Obviously, today i've bought a tote all, bag and a we're all t-shirt, all wearing a t-shirt so yeah very expensive
3: <laughs> quite pricey It's has been well that's the whole reason i've got a camera and why i'm doing this because <laughs> i started a clothing brand and thought probably need to take some photos
0: yeah, no, that's so. I bought a camera, and then I've just fallen in love that's with videography, the
3: and then I found myself doing really crazy shit, like not recording this. medical podcasts and
0: taking photos of mushrooms and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Not the same time, the but same no, time. no, we appreciate it, and that's why this recording is such good quality. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll, it's we'll Remains see. Remains to be seen. <laughs> and we're here again at, at Fruitworks again, separate day, separate time,
2: same clothing,
0: same clothing, same outfit. Interesting. Um, have thought about that? Back at Fruitworks, thanks to Fruitworks again for having us. So same, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the first one, you might have. Uh, the general, what's the word? Uh, gist. Gist. Gist of it. So we're we'll talking about medical case, um, probably get it wrong, hopefully, hopefully get it right. Talk about um, the
2: times we have got it wrong.
0: Humility. Humility.
3: I'm very nervous, to be completely honest. Oh, yeah. Like just being near. Well, because you've got it wrong a lot. Well, I, I wish I was, I, I, could we, we, we should probably saw spots or something.
2: You want to? Do, yeah, you want to sit next? Don't want to sit next to him because you think he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Well, let me make it very clear. Because well, we're going <laughs> to look. No, no, the
3: juxtaposition between the two of us is going to be very. very I've obvious. Uh, I, I have
2: worked on several occasions uh, in a clinical setting with Silas, and I uh, essentially what happens is he turns up. Uh, he tells you what the 30-day mortality is for the drug you're about to give, which has got absolutely no relevance to the case. Uh, and sort of you say way. to him, just, <laughs> you come on, mate, hurry up.
0: <laughs> Sort of the way out. Yeah. And
3: I'm, then often... I don't know if you remember this. This is before you moved, moved stations. Oh, is it an
0: anecdote I come off badly in?
3: No, no, no. All oh, right, carry it's on. It's more,
0: re- reflects badly on me. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I know what you this know? job is, and I don't think it reflects bad on you, but carry which, on. Which one is it? Is it the one where you were talking fluently and fucking yeah, Swedish or something? Yeah, like? Norwegian. Yeah, so, yeah, that doesn't reflect bad, don't you? I turned up to job. He was talking fluently in Norwegian to someone. <laughs> you thought, and I was just Am like, yeah. <laughs> well, we no, is because like it was a bariatric patient, and like we have a specific vehicle for
3: uh, for bariatric patients, and uh, you have to request it. It's a bit of a hassle going and get it. It has to be retrieved from the station, yeah. so they have to get a crew to like stand down, go pick it up from the station, then meet us at the yeah. job. Just and not to say
2: this, that none of this explain, none of this even close to explains why you were talking to Norwegian. I'm thinking. How on earth is he going to get to this from? Yeah. So I was talking Norwegian.
0: Yeah, but well, do, you know, do you know how you're going to get there? Go on. Listening. Yeah, well, I was. I was, I was <laughs> yeah, we'll get in
2: there.
0: Uh, sorry about it. Don't know.
3: Um, <laughs> and you know, I'd, we, I'd requested the, the bariatric vehicle. Blah blah. blah, blah it's, oh, it's coming from X station. Like, cool, cool, cool. And then, um, long story short, I realised, oh, don't need the bariatric vehicle, but they're five minutes away. Yeah, it's just called control. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, the crew's, um, are, they, are, they, are they close by? Like, yeah, 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 Silas is bringing it up. He's two minutes away. And I was like, oh, not Silas. <laughs> he's going to think I'm, I'm an absolute dickhead. Because in the background, like, Wasted your I, was, time. I
0: was finishing my shift, and they're like, you need to take the bariatric vehicle. And I was like, I fucking bet I don't need the bariatric vehicle. I bet that patient will fit on a normal stretcher. And they're like, no, you're definitely required. So yeah. it's good to turn up. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I, just, I was just like, he's going to think I'm a fucking idiot.
2: And did he?
0: Well, well, no, I because like I say, it turned out you're talking fluent fucking Norwegian, and that's not, I thought that was quite impressive. Yeah. Was it Norwegian? It was Norwegian, yeah, <coughs> that's actually the
3: only time I've used that language in this country.
0: Which we haven't actually discussed since, like how, how come you're Yeah, you uh, know, sorry, <laughs> you still haven't explained why. Oh, why I'm yeah. speaking Norwegian. Uh, so the patient was, um... Uh, she was Norwegian. Norwegian. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was also bariatric.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, they all are, aren't they? No. Yeah, no, I don't. A nation I don't of fatties.
0: Do you reckon? I oh, don't... No?
2: They all eat... Nah, I don't remember.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dated a Norwegian and I learnt the language. That is mental. How long did you date her for? Two years. Fair play. Yeah I,
0: learnt the language. yeah. I like languages, so... All good with you. Any anecdotes?
2: Um, my life is... Very boring. My child start, started making up songs, and she's two and a half, and they're all rubbish. Um, but when it's your own child, it's cute, you know what I mean? Trouble yeah. is, though, you, you think, oh, I'll record that and send it to... Um, do you? Own, that's but my... I make a point of mostly sending it to relatives who are interested, because if you sort of make the mistake of sending it to, you know, friends, they then feel obliged to be like, oh, it's cute, but really they don't give a shit, do they? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's my main concern with impending parenthood, I think. Yeah. It's like, I know now that when people send me pictures of their baby, I'm not interested, but will I do that and think that other people will be interested? Probably.
2: Yeah, but so, I, some people are. You really have to pick your audience. Some people oh, right. genuinely go mad for it.
0: Fair. So, family. Yeah.
2: Family, friends, selective friends. But like photos it's like, of kids. it's the
3: same as seeing someone else's holiday photos. Yeah. For it me, it really oh, oh, yeah. Just... If you're having a good time, that's all
2: that matters.
0: Yeah, great. Oh, I fucking hate holiday photos.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, sit down. Let's look through this holiday album. Let's not.
2: No. I don't, yeah. Don't care about anyone
0: else. No. <clears throat> Talking of stuff we don't care about, should we go over this case that yeah, <laughs> someone submitted? Um, from another listener. So they submitted this to um, podcast at just Do you know spell
2: that? Uh, I'll go for it. Podcast. Normal spelling. Uh, at...
0: The symbol. The outside. Yeah.
2: Um, P R E dash. No. <laughs> P R podcast at P R E M dash E D.
3: Is that actually, wait, can, in all seriousness, is that actually what it is? Because I thought it was pre med. Yeah, I know you had the whole <clears throat> ramble in the last podcast, but I still
0: didn't understand. There was no conclusion. It's not clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, no, we should. It was in the intro, but we'll clarify that. So It'll pre-med, be in the show notes. Pre-med is Pre-hospital resuscitation and emergency medicine education. Okay. dash E-D. Ed.
3: Oh, premed. Premed. Yeah, it should be said like that. Yeah, <laughs> premature. I reckon just keep it as ed- pre- premed.
0: Education. Premed. I
2: think so too. But the, unfortunately, the email American is podcast at premed. That would have been too sensible. You have to put the, you have to put the hyphen in there just to piss with people's minds. So.
0: that's because the domain is P-R-E-N dash E-D.
2: Fine. So uh, the email to send cases to is podcast at e d. dot Gov.
0: Com. Com. <laughs> dot .com, because we're not a part of the government. Dot <laughs> .nhs. Pretty simple. Dot, not no. .nhs either. Not we don't, for the record, don't associate ourselves with the NHS or yeah. the government or anything. But I access. think you put
2: anything, up, put anything after the dot you want. That's yeah, it, that's
0: it might come to us, it might not. Or just wang it over on Twitter. Oh, yeah. We follow that, don't we? Stick but, it in the DMs. Uh, as always, uh, maintain confidentiality like this person has. Thank you for submitting this case.
2: you going to name drop them or are they are not interested
0: in that? No, because no. <clears throat> that's not fair. So this person was called to a 65-year-old... Uh, hold on, should we do the clinical pearl first? Nah. No. No, because I don't actually have one. Um, so called to a 65-year-old male, short of breath on... second. This person calls a 65-year-old male, shortness of breath. Um, on arrival, met by a patient who's sitting and talking in complete sentences. Uh, Tachypneic at 30 breaths per minute. Not normal for them. Um, they said they've got increasing shortness of breath for the last five hours um, after being out for a walk. Okay. Medical history, you want that? Please. Medical history, sarcoidosis. Um, and, What's that? Uh, it's a uh, problem with the lungs, sarcoidosis.
2: Great, I'm glad you know.
0: Did you, yeah. you actually ask it that? Yeah, I don't know. is. Okay, Was nice. he oh, just like, oh, I'd be, go- I'd be, go- I'd be is? Googling it, 100%. It's just like, in my head, it's, it's in the same category as... Um,
2: Fibrosis.
0: Like, yeah, exactly, anything lung that ends in S. <clears throat> so we'll cut to this edit. Sarcoidosis, ask again.
2: Uh, what is sarcoidosis?
0: Also known as Besnia boek schaumann disease. Oh, no, yeah? oh, no. no. Remember, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. I Remember, Gizikazine. cuz cool. Uh, it's a disease involving abnormal collections of inflammatory cells that form lumps known as granulomata. <laughs> in the lung. Okay.
2: As if sarcoidosis wasn't hard enough to pronounce, you added all that stuff in. Yeah. All right, sometimes so it's chronic, prena- Can we say chronic lung disease?
0: Otherwise known as sarcoidosis. Same. Arcoidosis.
2: You said the same thing.
0: So, no, sarcoidosis, otherwise known as sarcoidosis. Okay. Because it's got a umlaut on the eye. Or uh, background of sarcoidosis and a partial lobectomy on the left-hand side, which I think is actually called a pneumonectomy. That might be the entire lung. Uh, yeah, d- don't, don't care. Lobectom- on. <coughs> lobectomy, one lobe. So um, that's happened. Okay, so that's your patient. Great. Concerns, immediate concerns.
2: Um, I'd just be, I think I'd just be left wanting more I haven't got any I mean that's a pretty significant um, respiratory history isn't it do you think that um, because you go to people with pulmonary fibrosis as an example similar type of condition I would
0: guess
2: and um, and they some you know some people it's incredibly severely life limiting other people they live with it and just sort of crack on with their day to day don't they so I would want to know what his normal functional status was what, what implications that has for his day to day
0: Let's go normally fit and well. Okay, great. I like, um, what's the word? Functionally. Functionally fit and well. Yeah. Um, I'll just give you some obs. Uh SATs 89% um, on air, which is normal for the patient. Respirate 30, as we mentioned. Heart rate's 98. Uh, temperature 37.3. Blood glucose 6. GCS currently 15. Well, I guess the, the question, just to lead you into it, is are they going to hospital or not? I don't think no, no. I
2: mean, I don't know. I, I would. I think I'm thinking. Why is this? In, why is this going to turn into something interesting? Because someone, for me, someone with chronic lung disease presenting like that and who's breathless is not necessarily very much of a big deal. But I guess if he's ca- if he's called, yeah, that's that's what you I'm know, saying. if he's called saying I'm <clears throat> breathless, then that's the concern. What are they?
0: What, what is the patient concerned about? I think that's a fair point. So they, they called because of this new breathlessness. Right. So it's not normal for them. It's not normal for them to be a bit hypoxemic on air, but not uh, to be breathless like that. I imagine
3: that he probably doesn't feel right in himself because no. that, that would cause, that would be the cause for the concern. Yeah. You know, that would and,
0: a- and pretty clear that it started five hours ago. Um, you know, it's not like those days He <coughs> went, went for a walk. I think it's gradual onset cause increasingly short of breath over the last five hours.
2: Right. And it's not so been so shot ago. in the chest.
0: Uh, it, says, yep, it says here, shot in the chest. <laughs> ah. five, five hours ago, shot in the uh, chest. Yeah. yeah, why is that?
2: Yeah, no, uh, I was just thinking that might make him a bit breathless.
0: Yeah, no, fair. no, no, he wasn't. Okay. For, the, for the record, not shot in, not the in the there, chest. It's not in there, so... No, but I'm going to go out on a limb.
2: Okay, yeah, they probably would have mentioned that. Um, any chest pain?
3: None. I'd probably just want to do more investigations then, just to find out more.
2: Yeah. What do you want? Bad luck, mate. We won a twelve lead.
0: Yeah, I was, I was reluctant to say. So you can ask for one. The patient is to, uh, refusing to have one done. All right. What? Why? Okay. What's wrong
2: with people? It's not an invasive. <laughs> it's not an invasive procedure, is it? Same It's funny when people say that sort of thing. It is
0: funny when people say that, but it kind of leads onto the question of whether they're like in their right state mind to be refusing stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's difficult <laughs> to know. Yeah, it's difficult to know from an email like why is you know. There's so many, there's so difficult to know the context of that, isn't it? Because if someone said, I don't want to, you know, if, it depends on your approach, you know, like, well, we need to do this for this reason. No, not doing that, mate. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to get my chest out. I feel self-conscious. It's very different to being like fighting you off and being combative, isn't it? Because you're hypoxic. Yeah.
0: Um, and this person is not being combative and stuff. No. They're just, and they're not actually hypoxic either, really. Are they So that's of 89? Yeah, exactly. Any yeah. other? Hypoxemic. Any other parts medical history?
3: Did we go through that already, past
2: medical history? Nothing else, no, just the sarcoidosis. My um, thoughts would be, like, new onset of breathlessness in a person who, you know, like, which they're concerned about. I think that's so much of my decision making is based on their, someone, a patient's willingness to take take on any degree of risk. So it doesn't matter what degree of risk I'm willing to take on as the clinician who's making decisions. If they're not on board with that risk, then it's not appropriate to take it. You see what I mean? So if, yeah, you, yeah. if he's called saying, I'm concerned about this breathlessness, whether he, you know, he's, he's not consenting to a basic and non-invasive diagnostic test, it's a bit annoying, but, um, but he, I'm inclined to say, you, can, you need a chest x-ray, an urgent chest x-ray. So yeah. I probably would take it. I probably would. That's do. what I'd be thinking. That's where I'd be going with it,
4: I think.
0: I would think the same. And especially as well, because if you're like, well, if you're not going to let me do any sort of tests to justify not taking you to hospital, then yeah. the bottom line is that you need to go to hospital. And you can refuse that? Anyway, yeah. so they refused that. Or initially refused Refuse Refused to, to hospital. transport. So initially refusing transport to hospital. <laughs> why? Why, they, why, you, <laughs> yeah. you why are we here, mate? Why did you
2: come Why you want us for... Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be, uh, it's frustrating, isn't it? I'd be frustrated, I think, because you're sort of like, well, I I can, there's a limit to what I can tell you from what I can do here, but you're not even letting me do the things that I want to do here. So that would piss me off, no doubt.
0: So another bit of context for this, this is uh, not in the NHS, this is an Australian case, case, yeah. Really? So you're Australian? You've worked it's, got the be,
3: it's got to be a kangaroo attack or something. He <laughs> was, that walking? That's that it, was again. out walking, wasn't
0: And it? it actually says, shot in the chest by a kangaroo. Shot in the chest by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <Must> they,
2: uh, <laughs> so did you, but, you get temperature and stuff? No fever? Yeah, no,
0: I, I told you that. So 37.3, yeah. just to repeat that. But, and is uh, that normal? 37.3? Yeah. I don't know what's normal for the patient. Difficult to know. Yeah. Any other
3: um, symptoms? Any other pain anywhere else?
0: In the legs? Well, I was going to ask about the Australian system is not quite the same as... UK, is it? In terms of, like, we often leave patients at home. Uh, so I've never actually
3: worked in Australia. Um, I did my degree and came straight over, and we did... Do you not it, do, like, clinical hours? Yeah, but significantly less than you guys do right. here. I think yeah. we did about... When Con- I, when isn't I studied, it
2: concerningly low at some <laughs> universities? <laughs> so, like, well, I met one uh, paramedic who had come from Australia, and it's different from each state. Apparently, it's a big country. Uh, and oh, yeah. they'd done 15 hours of <laughs> clinical placement over oh, s- in three yeah. years. We did more than that. We yeah. did,
3: so our whole entire three years. <laughs> and it differs between unis as well. Mm. Um, You've got to have to understand, it's like we have different ambulance services for different states. Yeah. And yeah. each degree will train you up for that state. They'll use oh, the, okay. the clinical practice guidelines for that state. Mm. Right. So, for example, my degree was for Victorian, Ambulance Victoria. So we, we don't study you know, the nationwide guidelines, because there isn't any. They're all kind of separate. Mm. Right. Um, and, yeah, so we did... I only did about 400 hours of clinical placement over the three years, whereas you guys do that in, like, one semester or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. So so I, I can't really answer many questions about what it's like in Australia, because I, I don't know. What it was it? Six like years do, ago. Have
2: you got any evidence about that or any info about the geographical location? Because, I mean, if you're saying to somebody you know, yeah, you need to go to hospital, it's 12 hours away. You need to be flown there, you know, like that. And, oh, that yeah, is no, the, and that's the reality for some people, isn't it? Oh, I don't like
0: have it. that context, but no. Well, why is it relevant in some Australian? Yeah. Uh, because I think the system's different, isn't it? Like I like say, in the UK, you to leave people alone, don't you? Yeah. A lot. You yeah, far too da- many. Dangerously. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't the, know what it's like uh, now,
3: but I know there is a lot more There's a lot more autonomy as a paramedic here than there is right. in yeah. Oz. So I imagine, and I... You know, this might, be, this might have changed since then, but there are a lot more pathways and, mm. and things in place in the UK yeah. at the moment, based on, you know, my current knowledge. But huh? that's out, my I'm Australian knowledge is, is really out of Heavy
0: ahead. with disclaimers, that sounds Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't really want to speak for what it's like in Australia
2: at the moment.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, really, I don't, I don't think that. there's
2: any danger of us getting any international listeners. <laughs> no, it's,
0: it's essentially just talking to ourselves. Um, anyway, so the patient's initially refusing and they convinced him to go. Um, but uh, refused to be carried out to the ambulance, not convinced that I would have carried them.
3: <laughs> so I would have let them mm. him, him walk and see if something, something happens.
0: Because I've often just carrying patients. Like, for me, uh, it's about the GCS. Don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't a lot of people carry. are still like, oh, they're, you know, they're tired, and they've got people. chest pain and stuff, so we'll get a chair. But for me, I'm like, do they have neurological function in their lower limbs?
2: Yeah, <laughs> most people have been walking around the last sort of you know 62 years of their life um, and they've <laughs> well, probably well walked practiced. since they've had that chest pain so why not do the sort of 15 minutes i don't know where that attitude's
3: away. come from as well of, of having to do things from patients because that's what i found like especially i don't know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a different paramedic now than i was six years ago but it was kind of just what you did you just oh yeah, put them in yeah, a chair you up. do everything for them grab it grab was now it's obviously I
2: there was a time when uh, when we basically carried everyone and you were told you know you, you carry everyone more or less yeah. and then if we've moved away from that but there's still a bit of a there was a time not that long ago where if you were applying to university in the in the trust that we work um that we'll work in the area that we'll work that if you were applying for the university <laughs> pathway like. the essay that you had to write as part of that was based on a chest pain patient and the like oh, crux God. of the management oh. was do they, do can they, they walk, walk or can they not? You know, that was, that was like a massive part. That's so. fucking
0: cutting
3: edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you make every patient walk? No, unless make... they're unconscious. If, if they're, if they're it's conscious. not about making them walk either. It's just about like having some respect and being like, oh, you know, just because an ambulance here doesn't mean you're now so decrepit, you can't use your own limbs. And it's also like when you, like, uh, if I'm in the back of an ambulance, which I appreciate rarely, and someone's like, do you want me to grab a chair? I'm like, well, n- not really, because... In the time since we picked them up and got to hospital, I've not sawn their legs off. Mm.
2: Yeah, but I if think... If they walked um, into the it, ambulance. It, yeah. Then I in. took a stroke into, uh, walked into... Walked a stroke into Hopped. hospital a little while ago. Hot. Just, um, just upper limb symptoms. Right, okay. <laughs> Perfectly well. Because my very, very subtle. How were they received? Not well. Really? <laughs> yeah, big time, not well. Yeah. But why not? Oh, exactly. My that's the point. thing. Like, well, my concern well. with it's six my main concern from the ambulance to the bed, uh, he walked to the ambulance when we arrived. He literally met us at the front door, and walked to the ambulance, and got on, and walked to the room so, what are you concerned? I said, what are you concerned about? That's going to happen. <laughs> he's having a stroke. I said, I oh, know. That's why he's that's why he's here. Yeah, difficult. I've, I've done help.
0: the same thing with a stabbing as well, um, and they like walked them into hospital. Yeah, mm. st- it stabbed in the chest. They were a little bit agitated and didn't want to sit on the stretcher. What, well, knife start. in situ? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. No, and it, they weren't like really hemodynamically unstable, but they'd been stabbed in the chest. It's a priority call, obviously. They were a bit agitated, didn't want to sit on the stretcher. And they're like, why are you walking this? Why are you walking them in? Like, well, because. Because you can. I don't think they need a mobilising, also it's quicker to just let them walk into here. And ultimately, what they need is a quick assessment versus trying to like strap them to a stretcher they don't want to be on.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that expectation versus. That the like the the clashing expectations between what we expect of an of an ED and what they expect of us. It's uh, like a constant battle. I think you know, like the reception <coughs> you expect when you call a patient in, the reality of what they need when they get there, or you know them expecting you to call a patient in when well, what are you going to do for them straight away? You know that's yeah. or, it's not it's an emergency now, for us, but it is for you. Yeah. And if you're calling a patient in as a trauma, central stabbing. They expect, a they expect a specific. They expect a specific. Are you kind of
0: like? Are you going to treat them differently now that they've arrived, not on a stretcher? Yeah. Hopefully not. But anyway, yeah. But so yeah, this guy,
3: Going back, it, it it is like giving autonomy, and it's kind of reminding the patient that you you can still do things for yourself. Take responsibility. You know, yeah. 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 <coughs> yeah. Your health is
0: is your responsibility. Yeah. But and I think also recently there's a lot more research into the fact that you know you should maintain, especially if you're an older person, you should maintain mobility and function stuff. Otherwise, you get muscular wasting and things. And so if we take that away from patients, you're like, oh now you've an ambulance, we're gonna do everything for oh, you, boy. Catheterize, you, put mm-hmm. you in a bed for two weeks.
2: Who are you who have you been catheterizing?
0: Just I practice on Yeah. Yeah? No?
2: <laughs> Just give it a go. If so we can record all the podcasts and <laughs> I've done e learning. I've done e learning.
0: I mean we're all catheter now. We
3: might, as well, <laughs> <laughs> we might as well admit it. Yeah. But it's a good assessment tool as well. You know yeah <laughs> Assessing your. No, getting, getting your patient to. Pain
2: in my shoulder. I'm just going to pop this tube
3: in your car. Just drop your pants. Um, no, but like to get the patient to stand up, walk. Yeah. You know, you can because if you're like, that.
0: can you walk into NA and then they just want to do like circles in the car park? I think <laughs> they've got. I think they're having a stroke. That was it. <laughs> cool. You meant. So the patient walked into the ambulance. Refused to be learn carried from that. Walked five meters to the waiting ambulance trolley. So like, well, I don't know why you'd try and carry them five meters. This is falling apart. But um, refused to be carried, walked five metres, <clears throat> at which point they uh, were reassessed, and their sats were now 71% on air, uh, respirator 40, uh, and heart rate's gone up to 110.
2: They listened to his chest and all that sort of bollocks.
0: So they did listen to the chest, and uh, there was air entry in most of it, and decreased air entry, <clears throat> where he's had the me. <laughs> <laughs> so like, no air entry. <laughs> So no air entry where there's no cause of clinical space concern.
2: No lung, no lung present. Yeah. If I were a patient, I wouldn't be telling people. I'd be like, have a listen. <laughs>
0: no, <would I? laughs> have a listen. My low is actually on the other side. Like yeah. so. <laughs> so yeah, to listen to the chest. But um, yeah, no crackles or wheezes. Got nothing, mate. Where are we at now? They put them on 15%, uh, fifteen liters per minute, hundred percent mask. Uh, becoming increasingly sweaty and unsettled and agitated. Mm.
2: Uh, I think. I mean, it, it, without like, still at this point, without any sort of you, without an ECG, you'd still be thinking, well, it could be the sort of primary cardiac or a primary respiratory cause, you know. So you don't like. I would. It, it's the level of discomfort it's li- giving me, not knowing whether he's got ST elevation or not. It's,
0: it's mad, isn't it? Difficult, yeah. It's quite mad,
2: but I mean, uh, uh, you would—I don't know—thinking if it, it was sort of like you, like tension disease, like um, not infection, I wouldn't have thought because new like, but thrombosis of yeah. some sort.
0: is it mad how that. uncomfortable you about <laughs> an ECG?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like that's that's been it's like dr- drilled into us, isn't it? I suppose it's literally the only diagnostic ECG. test we can do. An do an ECG? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Fine. Um, so, what your kind of thing is? Tension disease, MI. PE. PE. Yeah, what you he say? Shooting in the chest. <coughs> we
2: it, well, shooting in the chest, if he's been shot in the chest. If right. he's not been shot in the chest, I'd say that's not going to be a differential for me.
0: Fine, okay. No, that's good Good logic. Um, so would you percuss the chest then? Oh God, no. no. Absolutely not. What <laughs> you concerned about tension disease?
2: Well, I mean, I think I probably would want to go for more of a, more history, you know, like it, it's un- I think it's unlikely that he's going to have pain I would be looking at is you know like listening again to his chest to see if there's any changes in his thing I don't know I think I don't feel massively comfortable relying on but like if it, for me it would be right at the bottom of my list of like adding weight or taking away weight from my yeah. diagnosis because, it's because I don't I don't do it enough for mm. it to be like oh that's a very like nuanced change in sound um,
0: yeah we have a percussed on the chest in you not no. really concerned no, 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 for no.
1: one. No. It's pretty
0: obvious, in my experience. I've done it once, so... Yeah, it's, it's a good... Pretty comprehensive good average, yeah. <laughs> But no, I've done it kind of... I've done it in traumatic pneumothorax, but I just don't think there's much point there. Like, I think if, if someone's had chest trauma and you think they've got pneumothorax, it's more based on the fact that they've got chest trauma and they're quite shocked.
2: <coughs> I, think the dif- I think the thing is, is that I would be... I'm, I think sort of pragmatic to a fault sometimes but you if you've you've got someone that's had chest trauma and what you're and in that case what you're doing is uh, maybe it's the same in this case but you probably were like I think I'm going to have to decompress this chest but that for most paramedics is something that they do very very rarely and so they want to be doubly triply Mm -hmm. sure that they're not going to do it wrong and so they'd be like, what else can I do to convince me that this is the right or wrong thing to do? Oh, I'll just percuss the chest, because that's what I was always taught to do. But in reality... But will they
3: know? Will they be confident in that? Exactly, that, yeah. If, in reality... Because I wouldn't be. I don't, I don't do it enough. Like, no. I don't have experience. Same with listening no. to chests. You, know, you have to listen to a lot of chests before you can be... You know. Yeah. And, and as we discussed
0: then. last month, it's uh, not... I don't think it's that accurate, really. You're just kind to build it into the overall assessment, of not you? But I think, why is it that you think that... Because like, I think what you're saying is right about people being concerned to use interventions when they don't use them that much. Why is that, do you think? The so fear, needle- fear, of,
2: fear of doing damage when, it, when there was no damage before. Right. Do, like doing more harm than good, I think. And also fear of someone, when you get to the other end, someone being like...
0: Did, <laughs> yeah. What the hell have you done that for? It's interesting, because I think it is that. And it's because you're worried about people judging you based on what they know after the fact. Like hindsight is twenty twenty and all that. Mm. if you if do you think you'd still be scared of it if you knew that someone's going to judge you based on the information you had at the time?
2: Not so much probably. I think, um, but I think like people get to people get a bit of like decision paralysis, don't they? Sometimes yeah. you know that sort of you reach a point and you think, oh, I've got to do something or not do something, and often. Doing nothing is worse, in my experience. You know, or people <coughs> like um, they'll sort of be like, oh, it's either this or it's this, and the treatment for these things are, diff- are very different. You know, yeah. and So and, and 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 I would always be like, just pick one, just pick one. You know, because pick one that you think you're most that that the, the you know evident Take a leap of faith in the direction that the evidence is more strongly pointing. You know.
3: I guess in this situation, my, my decision like, to percuss or not would, is dictated by, is my treatment going to change after I perform this percussion? Oh, mate, that's, <laughs> you know quite, I mean?
0: a, that's quite a mature way to think about stuff, I think. Yeah. Like well, clinically.
3: Because I'm thinking, if you've already made... The, the most important decision is, do I need to take this per- person to hospital? And you've already, we've already decided, yes, they're in the ambulance. And am I going to do anything en route to hospital after I percuss, you know, am I got, you know, and if you're thinking pneumothorax, but you're not 100% sure, are you then going to percuss and then decompress?
2: Yeah, and that's the other like, thing is that, you know, like, so in, if the indication for us in, in our practice is you decompress, need to decompress someone's chest if, they've having, if they're having a tension pneumothorax, but that's yeah. very different to a just pneumothor- spontaneous exactly. pneumothorax so even though that person when they get to hospital they'll have a chest x-ray and they might put a drain in that's not an indication to stick a needle in the front of
3: your yeah. chest and it? like no, and, yeah. correct me if, if i'm wrong but so there was there was reduced air entry on one side no, only in the only in the yeah. bit where there was a lung a bit of oh, lung just cut bit. out not in not, okay so yeah. like percussions are not going to make me stick a needle in
0: no the exactly chest yeah enough. i agree yeah, yeah. yeah. so no but that is a mature thing, I think. Like, clinically mature thing. We spoke about before, haven't we? About, um, I'm, I'm clinically mature. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that about you. I didn't say you're clinically mature. I just said you said <laughs> something that was clinically mature. You've probably and, uh, listened
2: to previous episodes of our podcast <laughs> where, we've, where we've copied something that someone else has sent and put it on there.
0: Uh, the trick is to read it and make it sound natural, I find. Anyway, um, but that, that thing we spoke about before, of, of like, um, rather than assessing a sign because you've been taught at university and it's like a textbook thing. You basically look in... You're trying to answer a question with it. And uh, it's the same with the auscultation, isn't it? Like the lung auscultation or listening to heart sounds. Like, there's no point doing it because it makes your paperwork look better, um, which I probably used to do, I definitely used to do when I was new. It's more like, is that going to change what I'm going to do in the time that I'm with the patient? Or is it going like, to change the outcome or the, the treatment plan and all that kind of stuff? And if it's not, there's not, not much point doing it. And, you, you know, you should do it for that reason, not just to justify yeah. what you have or haven't done something for Well, why we or do or... Our,
3: our degree is to teach us how to deal with life-threatening emergencies. I oh, know that's not what we deal with mm. most of the time, or any of the time, sometimes. Uh, you,
0: oh, you do. I think what yeah, I learned in my degree but... <laughs> was
2: how to write an essay and how to avoid litigation. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Neither of which are doing very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rupert Murdoch. Right, let's have a bit more uh, information. Um, so, five minutes later is, like, on 15 litres of oxygen, the sats are now 60%, uh, really agitated, trying to get off the stretcher and leave and go back inside.
2: Fuck. Me. <laughs> They're still on scene, are they?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unsafe to transport someone that's trying to get off the ambulance, presumably.
2: Yes, yeah, good point, I suppose. Interesting. Can't you use
0: positive touch? Not restrained? <laughs> what yeah, you know what doesn't sound. No, I think you should clarify. You say that. you're not going to
3: drive because sound like someone trying to get off the streets. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm going to use some <laughs> positive, <laughs> positive touch <laughs> on you. Positive touch, get ready. What is positive touch? Thing. Positive touch is just oh, it's it's talking, you restra- right. you're it's talking You're right. Talking about restraining people in no, no, it's in, not It's in legally touch. safe
2: language.
0: <laughs> positive touch. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah. Feel like
2: you'd be ripped apart.
0: Isn't that just proportionate restraint? No, it's positive touch. I think you should just have the balls to say restraint that's proportionate to the situation. Positive touch makes me feel like quite sweaty. <laughs> or does it?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're making me feel uncomfortable. It's, yeah.
3: a, term, it's a term we use in heart, like in, in water. When you get like a, a casualty from, from the water into your raft, the boat, then if they're trying to, because they're putting you at risk by trying to positive right, touch. get up or whatever. Use some positive It's puffs. interesting. Holding down. Because
2: when I was a young, a younger, I did my lifeguard training. Yeah. They basically said, if someone tries to attack <laughs> you in the water, punch them straight in the face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: positive touch. <Yeah>. Positive touch.
2: <laughs> Apply some positive touch.
0: Puff, puff. With closed fist, yeah, sure. I, I think, at sorry. this point, Fine. I
2: would be thinking, what is wrong with this person? I... Yeah. And, yeah. I th- and I mean, it's, I don't know what more I would have done assessment-wise to add weight or thing. things. Like the... T- the I guess for someone who's desaturating that quickly on that much oxygen, I think I would be thinking that it's got to be a lung cause rather than, you know, because if, if it's a like cardiovascular issue, yeah. why would they be desaturating that quick? You know, like because it's, he's exerting himself. It's a very simplistic way of thinking about it, isn't it? But, like, I would be thinking if it's his heart, to have that quick an effect and that quick deterioration, it would just be slower. You know, there's no... And, it, God, that's fucking well simple, isn't it? But that is... Well, you
0: say that, but I think, um, again, it's like evidence of some experience and maturity because I think, um, ultimate, like, you, like, over time, you kind of... I do the same thing now. I'm just more simplistic with stuff and less concerned about textbook things and what the guidelines say about certain stuff because you're just like, in my experience, which is I've gained over a few years now... Um, like MIs, I've been to countless MIs in my time and none of them decompensate that quickly and become really agitated. Mm. Mm. Lung pathology often does. Yeah. And um, you know, like MIs, they kind of, they, they go into VF occasionally, but it's not normally uh, because they walked out to the ambulance. It's normally just because it's just happened. Yeah. yeah. So I think it is maybe a bit simplistic, but it's also born of like some common sense, yeah. which you've got to be careful not to drown common sense out by knowing the guidelines really well, which is, you know, <laughs> tagline for you. Or an excuse, um, so yeah, I think that's fair.
2: Yeah, I think um, I would, I'm becoming increasingly concerned that, concerned that he's had a spontaneous pneumothorax and is now tensioning.
0: So, if, so what are you gonna do? Because we're kind of in, a, in an area now, you, you can't get an ECG, which is annoying, no. you can't do a proper test, but you, you're basically, and this is a, quite a classic like pre-hospital resuscitation and emergency medicine situation i smiling for the listeners. You, um, but sorry, is, just is,
2: clarify. you've I said that because that's just, the name yeah. <laughs> of the... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, we, I missed that. Well, no, no, no. Well, no it's good, because good plug.
0: Cream good head. internal plug. Uh, but it's quite a classic thing in emergency medicine, isn't it, and, and pre-hospital care, that you're actually in a situation where you're like diagnostic uncertainty, but someone's actually becoming increasingly sick in front of you. And so you do actually have to do, do something, something yeah. based on no diagnosis. So what are you going to do? Are you going to decompress along the chest now, if you think it's a lung?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think but then I think I'd probably... What are the other things that people say look for in a, to add weight to a diagnosis of tension disease? Increased increase JVP, P, P, isn't it? That's one of those things that people talk about, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Look at the jugular veins. Is is there, there's a, is an acronym a, for this. Is there? Yeah. Oh, shit. What is it? 12. I was no, a, that's I was this. A
0: prompting you. Assessment. There is isn't. No, that's the one. That's one that. 12 I is... Should break away?
2: Tss. Tracheal deviation? Tracheal deviation. Very rare. Wounds. Wounds. He's not got any wounds. I actually remember it. Emphysema. Surgical emphysema. Laryngeal crepitus.
0: I think we should clarify. I don't think this is for pneumothorax or tension disease. I think this is for chest trauma. you
2: having a laugh. Shame.
0: Carry on. Laryngeal Laryngeal crepitus. Laryngeal crepitus. I don't know what it is.
2: And (laughs) something else. E. There's a small E on the end, I think.
0: Everything else is normally at the end of a mnemonic, Cut isn't it? it all. Great. <laughs> everything else is concerning. Yeah. Other injuries. Um, yeah, don't, don't bother don't with
2: the mnemonic like, because you're just supposed to look for me.
0: everything. Fine, so basically I don't have that information. So don't know about uh, JVP, um, don't know about surgical emphysema, um, but in this time getting more and more tachypnic and cardiac.
2: Yeah, decompress <laughs> the chest, I reckon. Decompress the, press the, the chest. chest? Yeah. Fine. Why not? Uh,
0: because they didn't do that in this case, so I couldn't give you. A <laughs> <laughs> result of, but bank that one. Um, so this in this situation they called a specialist a paramedic uh, and they, and like, convinced the patient to let them get vascular access. Because I guess at this point, if someone's agitated and has SATs of 60%, do they have mental capacity? And therefore do you apply a positive touch approach because you don't really need to gain consent to cannulate and stuff, do you, at that point? No,
2: I would say probably not. I, I think, think that in those, those situations different. as well, like... If you, if you can see that it's going, if they're, if they're deteriorating, and that's causing their, their mental state to deteriorate, you can, you know, predict, well, I don't think it's legally appropriate to do this, that it's going to, I would think, well, it's probably not going to get better, so I need to take direct action to take control, you know, so like, if, if it meant holding them down appropriately to... I think that is legally appropriate. Yeah. Because you can... <laughs> you, you, can't you can't predict, predict where someone's capacity is going to go. It's time yeah, and decision-specific. No, you can,
0: you can predict their clinical course, but at the time, at that time, I don't think they've got capacity. No. So legally but that, that's
3: the, that's, that's the, the question you need to ask. Do yeah. they have
0: capacity at that yeah, point yeah. in time? You capacity. can't say, well, they're probably not going to have capacity no, in you're five right. minutes. Yeah, a good point. So let's just yeah. do what we need to do now. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. But you can say, in this context, their stats are 60%. They're not engaging in a rational conversation with you. And so they've got... Um, They've got a temporary or permanent disturbance of their mind or brain. So is the
2: best interest decision.
0: Initial test for whether you do a capacity assessment, isn't it? And they've got a they've got like SATS of sixty percent um, imply that they've got some sort of potential impairment of their mind or brain. And then you apply the mental capacity test, which is are they having a rational conversation? Are they weighing up what you're saying in the decision making process? And if someone's agitating and trying to get off the stretch and not engaging with you, they're not weighing up. And so you know, they don't have capacity legally. And then on top of that, you can say, well, I'm sure that their clinical course is bad. So I don't need your permission to cannulate you and medicate you or do whatever. Is that Yeah,
2: yeah that makes sense. That's what I would... That's how I would argue. I was kind of
0: like panically trying to cover the fact that you said we can't legally do this on a, on a podcast that's going out.
2: No, well, I think what I was saying was is that you, it's not appropriate to predict where someone's capacity is going to be. But Marcus is right, you know. It's yeah. time and decision-specific, isn't it? And at that time... Yeah. For that decision, it would so be appropriate to...
0: W- so you can't predict capacity, you can predict clinical course, but act on the capacity that's there at the time.
3: Well, We've all been in a situation where someone has capacity and is refu- refusing treatment and then you're just waiting for their capacity to change. You know, yeah, that's a tough you know I mean? one as well. So yeah. if like like drug overdose situations or it's like, okay, cool, you don't want to treat you now, I'll wait outside for... That's, minutes, of, that's
2: the sort. That's of decision that I get out of bed for in the morning. That's the sort of thing I <laughs> go to work and think. Oh, I really hope I get one of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love those secrets. Those
2: complex ethical decisions based yeah. on a, a law which we sort of don't really fully
0: <laughs> understand. But and, we the, and the police too. also don't seem to give a shit. No. Yeah, so no, thanks no. for sending me on this job with half an hour to finish. Uh, this patient is now refusing, having taken a massive paracetamol overdose. Yeah. So I'm going to be here until tomorrow. No, I like that as well. So this guy is refusing. So you're going to do the chest.
2: Yeah, I reckon so, why not? Someone's got to, someone's got to choose something to do, and I'm fully prepared to be wrong. Which side? <laughs>
0: I don't know. <laughs>
3: Both.
2: Why
3: not? Which
2: side? I think without those, without um, more information, seeing them, I wouldn't want to say. So I pro- Whichever I pro- side it felt appropriate to do at the time. Yeah. I, probably
3: w- I probably wouldn't, because we haven't learned anything
2: new. No, yeah, that's true, yeah. You know what I mean? From...
3: You know, we do it's, it's more difficult to assess him now. We can see what's happening. We can see that he's deteriorated to some point, but we haven't learned anything new about his respiratory state apart from the fact that he's more respiratory distressed Yeah. and his obs are dropping. But yeah. we don't know, does he have even more reduced sounds? In any of our tension sort of assessments? You know, no, you're right. I think, to be honest here.
2: with you, I'm, I'm just trying to get, I get to the bottom of it. It's very, <laughs> very impatient. And I think if I say something, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd do a thoracotomy. <laughs> Get to the point, mate.
0: Um, and so they did a thoracotomy and found that he'd been shot by a kangaroo. <laughs> um, no, so the specialists were called, they got vascular access, they gave uh, morphine. And, they gave morphine? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that in a sec. So, and they, gave, so they gave one milligram of morphine. Okay. Again, this is Australia, so, you know, got it. Do what you want. Chilled out. A uh, lot less kind of anxious and agitated. SATs increased. They tolerated the oxygen mask. SATs increased. Um, and they were still quite breathless. Pre-alert to hospital, because at that point the patient was um, uh, accepting, like, conveyance and stuff. Pre-alert to hospital. Uh, chest x-ray. tension pneumothorax. This guy. Smug,
2: for the, for smug the, for bastard. The, for,
0: the for the listeners, very sly grin from Johnny there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, um, I've never decompressed the chest of a conscious person.
0: Well, Ryan, I don't think, I've thought about it quite a lot. I don't think there's many situations where you would need to do that. No. Unless it was, you know, unless it's really clear, like, you know, this person's just been hit in the chest Mm. by a vehicle and now they're really breathless. And, you know, there's other signs, JV, distension, whatever else. And they're literally crashing in front of you. Oh, then, I'd, then I'd be like, obviously, was can rest the chest. Mm. But most of the time is if they're unconscious, like traumatic cardiac arrest or whatever, then...
2: Yeah, the closest I've got to, like, an effective one, as in I did it, I thought, well, oh, some effect from that, was someone who'd just, arre- you know, just arrested following an asthma attack. Mm.
3: That's, yeah. so that's also That's, ob- yeah, that's obvious, yeah,
2: yeah, but then that's the thing, but it's still, like, not a conscious person yeah. who, you, who you're trying to get history out of, and you think, yeah. God, this you is bit, you know, it. and that the human thing of doing an intervention like that, you know, and trying to tell someone how you're going to do it, you know, consent someone to be like, what I'm going to do is, is I'm <laughs> going to stab you in the chest with this needle.
0: We don't need to consent them.
2: Not yeah. in this situation, but for, you know, for... Well,
0: I guess you could argue that if you can gain informed consent from someone, you probably don't need to be digging what's in their chest. Yeah, probably not. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, um, uh... What would you have done? Well, you said about, um it being obvious that if someone collapses with asthma and goes into cardiac arrest, you decompress their chest. But I don't know if that is obvious to a lot of people. But as in, I would have a
3: lot more confidence. You know, if you're considering deep needle decompression, I would have a lot more confidence in my decision-making in that situation as opposed to
0: a, this kind of, a yeah. man who's just breathless.
3: Yeah, exactly. And but do you think,
0: because I, when I was a less experienced paramedic, I just used to think chest decompression for trauma and not in a medical cardiac arrest. You?
3: The, uh, the, the, my first needle decompression was a medical cardiac arrest. Yeah, yeah, so it was mine, actually. Yeah, it was a COPD-based yeah, arrest. Yeah, I would only, <laughs> based? I'd think yeah. I would
2: only think of it of uh, if an arrest where there's an obvious primary respiratory cause, like yeah. an asthmatic or not necessarily even a COPD patient, I think.
0: I think, though, with more experience, I would now consider it, like not even a primary respiratory thing, but if someone's got COPD and now you're positive pressure ventilating them, your thorax is massively high. No, it's not even, it's like a reversible cause on top of a reversible cause because you've just caused one, do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think. But um, what about morphine for anxiety and agitated person? Can we
3: do that here?
0: Well, can we? Yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah, someone said to me a while about they talked that. to
2: me a little while ago about the legalities of uh, of morphine and they were talking about it being, what is this? Is it a schedule two drug? I don't really understand the legality of it. I think you can essentially if it's uh, we're You're, like we give it for pain, don't we? Yeah. Um, My
3: understanding was that you couldn't give it outside of that here. Yeah, in this
0: think country. Uh, so, I yeah, Am I wrong? Is that is that correct? Yes, I think you can. Well, I know you can. Uh, you
3: can give it outside
0: of. Because the uh, because morphine specifically, uh, and there's like there's um, so in the UK there's you had to prescribe most drugs. Um, and you have to be a prescriber, obviously, and pa- most paramedics are not. And so there's exemptions from that list of drugs. And so morphine and, you know, other things, paracetamol or whatever, um, they're exempted drugs. And so what the uh, MHRA says about those specifically is that <clears throat> if you're a registered paramedic, you, you can give morphine.
2: Stop. But it doesn't say what for. But then, like, trust-specific but guidelines but then would say this is, this is a medication you give for pain relief. But well, then where's, the,
3: where's the line between like that and we're given morphine in this situation and well, sedation? So yeah.
0: it, what it says, you can give morphine in the immediate, uh, was it something like necessary immediate treatment of sick or injured. So persons. you're giving it,
3: what are you giving it for in this situation? Is it resp- respiratory distress?
0: Well, and so, th- and they're giving it for like anxiety, respiratory distress. And what I'm saying is like, you know, for us, we follow JL Calc and that says specifically for pain, but that's a guideline. And yes, there's an argument that your trust expects you to follow the guidelines. But similarly, your like registration expects you to follow evidence base and practice legally. And there's a legal framework in which you can give morphine for whatever you think is appropriate, provided you can justify that.
2: Yeah, I think that in our, in and, our practice, though, you wouldn't. Like the, the, I, I think in that situation, I would think... The primary cause of his distress and anxiety, agitation, is, is is a respiratory cause. So that's what you need to treat. So I, my my track tra- track of mine wouldn't be towards giving morphine to treat his agitation. But it, but if there was anything, if there's anything to do that, you know, like that wouldn't be in. There. So like for you, a CCP, that's not where your the management plan would send you. If you were trying to if you were trying to deescalate a situation pharmacologically, you wouldn't turn to morphine, would you? Well, like to me, me as a alone.
3: clinician it makes sense like I'm like oh yeah cool yeah that, that, would, that, yeah. that, would, that would help him and, and, and us because yeah. then we could assess him better and, and clinically it makes sense as a clinician but then there's this whole the other question of will I get in trouble for it and that yeah, would probably the... prevent me from doing it
2: and most people I think
3: you know, because that goes through every paramedic's mind like can I get in trouble for
2: this? Yeah, we've absolutely. Even though we know sometimes this, it's screwed, isn't it? That, that's how our minds go. <laughs> it's bad,
0: and the thing is, so I have used. I mean, nor, like, like in my practice, normally you do something for like my dad's fair enough, but then there's concerns about respiratory depression, and whatever. But, but I have used when I didn't. wouldn't oh, have that medication. I've used morphine for anxiety and with no pain before, and it's effective. And I think because it like there is a bit of an anxiolytic and stuff. And the, the problem with this is like. I think the issue of this kind of thing is you can box people into a situation like this box is a respiratory problem. But then you, you probably, by doing that, you kind of discount the fact that this person probably um, knows they're really sick. And there's nothing from one told more kind of scary than being not breathless and not being able to oxygenate itself. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of um, cerebrally agitated from hypoxia and kind of panicked. And so the panic will cause it like a, um, a um, sympathetic drive and so that, the sympathetic drive kind of worsens your um, uh, kind of oxygenation and all, that, and all that kind of stuff feeds in. And so it's you, a vicious cycle. Yeah, and so you get into this kind of cycle of progressively worsening and a, the panic element in breathlessness doesn't help. Well, it's so th- if you can kind of address it, and like they have here, if you can give some, like, whatever tool you've got in your box, like, my dad's might be better, but if you can give some morphine, and one milligram is like a classic kind of sedation-level dose. Don't, give, know, it's don't not they not like prescribe
3: morph to COPD patients? Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's, it's for that same reason, Because well.
0: you're like, one milligram of like, titrated morphine is not really enough to cause any kind of systemic problems. But if it, if it just take, takes the edge off that anxiety and reduces yeah, that yeah. sympathetic drive, it might be enough here for them to tolerate their own SATs a bit better. And like, again, it's like, what's the goal? Well, they've done it because they want to take the patient to hospital. basically which they've achieved yeah i think i've definitely
2: like i would i'm trying to think of times that i might have done that in my own practice i don't think it would have come into my mind in that situation if i wanted someone to be easier to manage and i felt the way to do that was through medication then i would be asking for you just come and do it. Yes, yeah. but I mean this guy's decompensating think... in front of you though. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, yeah. But I don't I wouldn't I don't think it's still would I don't come disagree my mind. clinically with that decision too, No, I think it's the right decision. I don't think it's the wrong decision, but I don't think it No, would I come
3: think out I, I think mind. it's probably the right decision. It just it, it, yeah, it just begs the other question of how confident of a paramedic are you? Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: And and that's the thing is you we should probably say we're not telling people to do that. <laughs> definitely say that but um and, that, and that's the thing like the framework is like you should you know you're expected to follow guidelines which it isn't in because but you know and when i did it when i've done it as a um like a few years ago i you know probably like we spoke about before probably coerced the patient into saying they've got chest pain or you know yeah or I was exacerbating say, oh you've got a bit of chest pain have you oh it's really bad i'll give you some more the
2: only out. time that i can think of in but that's also fucked yeah that's true and i and uh, the only time that i've done it in recent memory is i gave like one milligram of morphine to someone who was post cardiac arrest. Who, you know, this was without like in isolation, so there was no advanced clinical support available. So there was, you could, I could have got inline support over the phone. Yeah. But it was a patient who had like a very short VF arrest, like one shock, a few rounds of CPR, and then back rapidly increasing GCS. But he was really agitated, and I gave him morphine, but under the justification in my own mind that, oh he's had some CPR, he's probably in pain.
0: Which is like also perfectly justifiable. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, and I, you know, so in my practice, that, that's a common post-Ross thing. We got morphine and midazolam sedation package is standard. But before I was doing this job as, as a non-specialist paramedic, it's, you know, it's kind of unheard. You wouldn't normally in the UK give morphine to someone who's unconscious. No. Because I don't know why, because I've probably taught that if you're unconscious, you can't feel pain or something ridiculous. Um, whereas actually, obviously, if you're unconscious, there's different levels of it and you may well be able to feel pain. Yep. Your body's still going to have a response to pain because mm. like a lot of your neural pathways are still intact. And so, and it's like, and I saw that a lot in anaesthetic placement. They often you know, they give pain relief in the middle of surgery to improve their recovery when they wake up and stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it helps with the coming out of the anaesthetic, but also you know, you're still going to have some pain pathways and stuff intact and... Um, and, you know, just because someone's unconscious post-cardiac arrest, it's the same thing of, like, oh, if you're talking to them, they might be able to hear you. Well, they've also just had electricity go through their chest and someone jump up and down on it. Probably going to hurt.
2: Yeah, that. and, and <laughs> for, that, for that patient, he wasn't unconscious. Oh you know, he's, like, GCS sort of 13, 14, but right. very difficult to manage and groaning. And he sort of just give him, him some pain relief, you know. No. But, I, but in my mind, I was thinking, this will calm him down. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking i will treat his pain, but that was what I felt I had to say. You know,
0: yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's the thing, when you reflect on it, you're like, actually, it was appropriate for a bit of pain, appropriate for anxiety and general patient management. I'd done the right thing for the patient legally and ethically, but I have to document some bullshit yeah. to keep the managers happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, are following up. out.
2: Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. following jerk out.
0: But it's so interesting you got the diagnosis and uh, correct. I nice? it? is its that a first you? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, well, I don't follow up. Never follow up. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss.
0: Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. It's no, interesting, interesting, isn't
2: it? That's, yeah. That, I mean, that sort of. You, his lungs are not in a great state, are they? You know. So you. So that's the thing, isn't it? Like, if you go, to, I've been to people who've had a spontaneous pneumothorax before, but never one that's then gone on to tension. But they've always had some underlying respiratory history which is unusual, you know, as in not just like a COPD patient, like really, really severe brittle asthma, or I went out to one previously who had severe fibroid, yeah, what's it called, fibrosis of the lung, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, you, and so you just, you know, and again, it's like, it's no, maybe there's evidence for this, maybe there's not, but in my mind I'm thinking they've got that degree of fragility. Yeah, know, So some
0: sort of lung-osis. Yeah. Dodgy lung.
2: Stick an osis on there. <laughs>
0: lung problem osis, tension osis, tension disease osis, yeah, yeah.
2: Actually,
0: great I mean, case, well done, <laughs> great case Thanks Australia, for submitting that. Um, yeah, any more follow up on that, no, no, oh here we go, right, we'll cut this out, but what he said was diagnose, <laughs> diagnosis, this is word for word, diagnosis is right side of pneumo, and I said, <laughs> pneumo what? <laughs> But well, it could be pneumonia. a bit of banter. Yeah, pneumonia, pneumothorax, pneumonectomy, pneumo fucking anything. You knew pneumonia, what he meant, you prick. I actually uh, didn't know whether he meant pneumonia. I thought he meant pneumonia. Mm. Mm. Anyway, uh, so diag- <clears throat> cut back in. Uh, so the diagnosis was a right-sided pneumothorax, um, and apparently, so he's had it before, which would have been helpful to mention yeah. in past yeah. yeah, medical yeah, history, yeah. but Good. Very didn't much. mention that. Um, and apparently, he had some lung fragility. Associated with uh, long term steroid use for his lungosis. Was, right was
2: the right side where the low back was as well? Though? Pass. Why well, didn't say it say at the beginning? Uh, just go back. Just go, just read back. Lazy. No. Right.
0: That was the left side.
2: Great. So that's not helpful either, is it?
0: But he's had a pneumothorax. What I'm reflecting on this, I think it would been helpful if the patient told you that they'd previously had a spontaneous pneumothorax. Yeah. But
2: that's like when you take someone to hospital. Um, with ECG changes, <laughs> yeah. and then they go. They five minutes later, they go. Did, you, did they tell you had chest pain? Nah, no. You. <laughs> or, did you right? ask? Yes, I asked if he had chest pain because I ask every single person if they got chest pain.
0: or like when you take an ECG and they're like, oh, that's no, that's that's completely new for me, or some sort of finding. Take them into hospital, tell the nurse, and they're like, oh, we've always got that. Yeah, yeah, that's normal for me.
2: Or when you've taken a you take a patient in who's. Uh, who's complaining of really, really severe pain, you give them 10 milligrams of morphine, you get to hospital and they go, oh, all right, Clive, out to the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh <path>.
0: classic. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that situation.
2: They didn't decompress his chest.
0: They put chest drain in, in ED. Mugs. Um, <laughs> What, didn't, didn't, do it, didn't do it pre hospitally Which um, one closing question then, before we bring this episode to an end, is have um, you heard that thing about you should never see a, a pneumothorax on a chest x ray? No. What? Because oh,
2: you, you should never always see... have decompressed it before?
0: Yeah, it's quite classic. Oh, you'd never see a tension pneumothorax on a chest x ray.
2: You, what, what they're implying is that people's it's been missed. clinical gestalt is so accurate that they <laughs> yeah, exactly. should be able to decompress every possible pneumous, tension
0: pneumothorax. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly.
3: what it. Usually goes primary survey, needle decompression. Yeah. doesn't it? Is yeah. That, yeah, is that? I was going to
2: say that's probably written in the textbook under the typical airway, clinical signs and symptoms. Airway,
0: breathing, chest drain, <laughs> circulation. <laughs> taken to hospital. Yeah, yeah. but like um, to me. but yeah, that Does kind of bullshit? proves that kind of, I think that kind of proves the case, doesn't it? Because um, not like this guy had attention to right? his it's hence getting worse, but didn't. Ultimately, didn't need decompression at the time to manage it. Just wanted morphine. Mm. Uh, and so. Tension thorax on the chest x-ray, got a chest drain, good outcome. Done. Myth. Great. Myth busted. Mythbusters. That's right. That's probably a trademark. Outro. So there's our case. Any final thoughts on that? Definitely some learning points.
3: Definitely.
2: Yeah, interesting yeah. case, isn't it? Stuff I'll take away from. I think the the morphine thing is a, is an interesting one. I uh, Still, probably wouldn't give it to deagitate somebody because I'm worried about getting fired.
0: Yeah, deagitate. That's a nice word. Thanks. This is the other thing
3: you can keep it, that. Just, just a, a point is that I stick that in my tote bag. Yeah. In Australia, you can sedate you can like sedate aggravate agitated patients. Would you use morphine? I think they use midazolam. Yeah, that's more. Um, so I don't know if they would do it in like a in like a me- medical agitation or if it's kind of
0: yeah for trauma i don't know we would use like uh midaz for cerebral agitation medically but if you've got nothing else yeah so do everything don't give them diaz um fine well thanks for joining us that's been interesting that's annoying that's my laptop (laughs) once more apologies thanks for joining us uh no it's been an interesting case thanks to the person that submitted that if anyone else has got cases which we would recommend uh no which we would what did we say welcome 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 cases podcast at you say it. E
2: D dot com. Dot com.
0: com. Def- com. com. Uh, please do send your cases. We'll discuss them. Marcus, thank you for joining us. Thanks for helping out the A-B Thanks, stuff. It's good to be part of your uh, media empire mm. for a short while. Shareholders. Johnny, less grateful for you coming, but you turned up. And well, uh, fair
2: enough. Yeah, I suppose. It's always good to add to something. Did I? Mm. You,
0: you you made up deagitated, which I'm probably going to take into my practice
2: de-agitated I could trademark that make some money off it I need to talk to you about that sort of thing
0: probably couldn't make any money off it you reckon no we'll see I mean yeah
2: thanks for listening see you next time Ch- chat see, to you next time see you next time through the medium of sound